Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for Going back and preaching the word to the people, being restored back to the land, this was Ezra's very mission. This was his one job. You know how they say you had one job to do? (laughs) That's his one job, is to teach the people. And he's going to do it right. He's not going to cut any corners. So he's going to get the temple back in service and teach the people again. Ezra 8 and 21. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. For I was ashamed to request of the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy on the road, because we had spoken to the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all those for good who seek him, but his power and his wrath are against all those who forsake him. So we fasted and entreated our God for this, and he answered our prayer. Okay, I love this. Ezra did right here. Before he even started, before he even took off, he is, well, we don't have enough Levites. Let's just go. We'll figure it out later. No. He's like, no, we're going to figure it out now. We're going to get things together right up front. And before he started, the first thing that he had everybody do, so we're going to ask the Lord God how to do this. Friend, when you're confronted with a problem and you don't know how to deal with it, if you don't ask God how to deal with it, you're in trouble already. Before you ever start, ask the Lord God, Lord, how do you want me to deal with this? We love our experience. We love our vast wisdom that we think we have. And we always go into, well, I got to do this. And we start figuring things out. We start untangling knots and doing this and the other. And next thing you know, you made twice as big a knot as it was before because you didn't ask God. You know, when I have a headache, I ask God before I go to the medicine cabinet. I really do. Sometimes my headache's gone before I even get there. Just ask God first. So he had everybody fast and pray. We're going to ask God for this. This has to be done right. God focus. Don't cut any corners. If you do it wrong the first time, it's going to cause more damage to fix it. This is too big. They've been in captivity a long time. We can't mess this up. 70 years. Plus, a few decades of captivity had passed by, all right? The people had been out of proper fellowship with their God, and so Ezra's mission was important. Failing at this point would cause catastrophic damage. You know, when ships in the old day, when they, before they had GPS, when they set off to sail, they would plot the course very carefully on the map. If they were one degree off when they started, then by the time you get where you're going, you could be hundreds of miles away from your destination. So you had to be careful from the get-go. So he's being very careful up front. Failing now would mean that all the nation of Israel could fall right back into captivity all over again if they didn't get it right. 
Friends, at some point in our lives, we have got to draw a line in the sand and say, I am going to, from this point on, get right with God because I am tired of captivity. And that's pretty much where they are, okay? So they needed a successful journey back home. That was the that was of utmost importance for the entire nation. We have got to get back to our people because we got to teach them the word of God. If we don't get back, that's a big tr- that's a problem. So it was understood back in the day robbers loved to hide along roadways. If you heard of a bunch of people coming through, okay, let's get them for all we can take them for. They would set up ambushes and try to attack them. Now this was not going to be a safe trip by any means. I think it was about a 4-month trip to try to make. 4 months is serious travel. So they needed to fast and pray first if they expected anything to work out. There's going to be guys along the way that's going to want to steal from us. God, we have to turn this over to you or we're not going to make it. You and your life, the journey of your life, you've got to turn it over to the Lord. Along the journey of your life, there's always people ready to take everything away from you. They'll steal your money, they'll steal your peace, and they'll steal your sanity if you let them have it. But if you turn it over to the Lord first, Lord, I can't do this without you. They had to turn it over to God. Now, I, I was just thinking when I was reading about all this that it reminds me of Joshua and David, among other men. These were men that consulted with the Lord first before they did anything. Lord. I'm about to go to battle. How do you want me to do it? And the Lord, sometimes he gave them strategic battle plans, right? Ezra was not too prideful to think, oh, we can make this trip. We we don't need to pray. We don't need to fast. I got this. I've done this before. Come on. I know what I'm doing. (laughs) Don't ever say that. Shouldn't be anything wrong. Don't ever say the word should or shouldn't. Just don't do it. Turn it over to God. Put it in his lap. Let him deal with it, okay? The part of the story that really sticks with me, though, and I just love this, is how Ezra made this big, bold statement in front of the king. He said, our God's going to be with us. Our God is going to take care of anybody that tries to stop us. And so after he made a big statement like this to the king, he felt like he couldn't ask the king for an armed escort. Because <laughs> it would be like, we just, made the, we just said our God would take care of it. Now, if I ask for an escort, the king's going to go, really? I don't really think you believe in your God all that well. You know, Christian, when you make bold statements for the Lord God and then you perform an action that says you don't really believe it, people are watching you. I trust in the Lord. I trust in the Lord for my sustenance and for my provision. And you go and worry about money and you get on Facebook and, oh, gosh, I don't know. And then people are going to say, yeah, you really seem to really believe in your God, don't you? And then they're not going to buy it. So he was very concerned about this, that uh, why should I ask for protection when I said the Lord would take care of it. So he didn't want to ask the king for an armed escort. Just as a side note, Nehemiah, when he went back, he did ask for an escort. He asked for soldiers and horsemen and all that. Not saying downplaying Nehemiah's uh, faith, but I'm just saying that's a little bit of a comparison between him and Ezra. Ezra specifically did not ask for an escort. Probably, I'm guessing maybe Nehemiah didn't make a big proclamation in front of the king like Ezra did. So he felt like he could ask. But this is why Ezra did not ask for soldiers to go along, because that would make the king think you just don't really believe in your God, after he'd made that big statement about God's power. So now that Ezra said, oh, our God will deal with it, now he is required to back it up with his actions. You're going to go around saying, I believe in Jesus, and Jesus is healer, and Jesus saved me, and all my peace and all my joys in Jesus, you better back it up, because people are watching you. 
you get out there and scream and cry and whine about everything. All oh, the government, oh, I don't make enough money, all my health and all this other stuff. And you just made the bold statement that Jesus takes care of everything. People are going to look at you and say, you're a big fat phony. I don't buy it. So there's a lot to be said in here about Ezra backing up what he said. But in order for Ezra to expect any results on what he said of God, it says they humbled themselves before God. Ezra's like, I really put myself in a spot. I can't ask for king's horses and all that. I said God would deal with it. And now here we are about to make the trip. (laughs) I'm a little concerned about the path that somebody's going to steal from us. Guys, everybody, get down on your knees, fast and pray. We're asking for God how to do this. Do you see where Ezra's at? (laughs) You got people watching you. You got people, you work, you got family, you got friends watching you. This is a good teachable moment right here, what Ezra has done to make sure other people see God in them, okay? So he's getting down humble. That means they're not going to brag when they got home. Oh, we made it. Look what we did. Here we are. I'm the great Ezra. We did four, you know, four months journey. No, they got down low. They were not going to do this for themselves. This was going to be for the glory of God and God's glory alone. God's glory alone. I will tell you, I, had, I have not figured out how to do a church yet. I still don't know how to do it. And if you find faults in me, then praise God, because that means God's doing it, okay? Let God be glorified through my failures, okay? I had a friend just come by the other day I hadn't seen in probably, gosh, probably almost 40 years I have not seen this person. And they showed up at the door the other day, like two days ago, and they said, I heard you had a church here, and I've been praying for you since you were a little kid, and I had to come and see it. And they came and looked, and they're like, look at you. And I'm just like, you know, I was floored. And like, how'd you do it? I said, I didn't. Well, you know, well, what did you, they were asking for the formula. I said, I don't have one. Where did all these people come from? I don't know. They just, they just walked in one day. I don't know. You're on the radio. How'd you get on the radio? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. God had to get me through this journey, and it's for his glory alone. You know, I don't call this Ray Jensen Ministries. Look at me. This is set for life. If I'm gone, then somebody else pick it up. Set for life. We're not going to slap my name on it. It's not about me. It's about the Lord God. So I had quite a moment with my friend in here just telling them how much I didn't know. And they're like, well, you got to know something. I said, I just know how to read God's word and do what it says. That's it. That's all. And they said, you know what? Good for you. I'm glad you got it. (laughs) I must have been a knucklehead when they knew me. So it's nice that some people have the ability here, like Ezra, to choose to humble themselves and say, God, you deal with this because I just don't know how to do it. I got four months of a trip. Every, so many things can go wrong. God, please, you deal with it. I'm going to go. I'm going to walk. I got my part. I did my responsibility. I got some Levites and some Nethanim. But the trip, I don't know how to do. So I did as much as I could. You take care of the rest. I think this is great. Getting humble before the Lord, entreating the Lord for safe passage, that means they asked for his favor. Sometimes you don't have because you're not asking. Let me just be blunt. Bible says that you don't have because you don't ask. You need to learn to start asking, but you better get your ducks in a row before you ask. 
Don't be fooling around with sin and go, oh, Lord God, I need your peace. Because you didn't get your part in order first. You didn't have enough God focus up front like Ezra did. We don't have what we don't have any Levites. Let's go find some. He did what he could. Now he's asking, friends, you're you're not getting where you need to go because, well, I'm, I've been asking, but you're not getting your life in order in a way that glorifies God. Do that. Get your priorities right. Cut out some sin things. Cut out some things you know you don't need in your life. And if you're lacking something, go find it. Do like Ezra. Do the best you can with it. But ultimately, you've got to give it over to God, but you've got to get in order first. Stop cutting corners with the Lord and do it right, okay? It's very important that they, we recognize that they asked, they asked, they asked. God, we need your help. Most people today, they ask God for one thing. Lord God, I ask you to do my will. I want to be big and popular. I want to have all this money. I want to have all this stuff. And they're asking according to their will. Jesus said, if you ask anything according to his name, not your name, then he will do it. So Ezra did this. Ezra's operating 180 degrees from what most people do. Lord, help us so that we can serve you. Help me to serve you. Never ask God, Lord God, give to me so I can serve me. Ask to serve God. This is the right way to ask. And Ezra asked in such a way that he acknowledged everything belonged to God, that God was in total control of the situation, and that God would take care of them all the way back, even after they got back and returned. So far, we saw uh, Ezra, he made some preparations before returning, got, got his Levites, got his Nethanim. Then they had to fast and pray. This was all spiritual preparation, but now it was time for the physical preparation. We did the spiritual part. Now we're going to do the physical part. And friends, the spiritual always comes before the physical. You always get down before the Lord God spiritually before you do the physical work every single time. Okay? I want you to remember when Jesus healed that paralytic in the book of Mark, Jesus declared the paralytics, he's paralyzed, but Jesus declared his sins were forgiven before he ever dealt with his, para, his being paralyzed. He, he, Jesus addressed the spiritual before the physical. They had a whole dialogue. They had a whole lot of things going on. He said, your, your sins are forgiven. He's still on the floor. There's a whole lot of things that happened before Jesus ever told the guy to get up and walk. Because he prioritized in front of the people the, phys- the spiritual matters before the physical. I know we've got physical issues. I know we all have physical problems. I've got enough of my own. We've got money problems. We've got earthly problems and all that. And sometimes we focus on all that first. The spiritual is your first preparation that you should always do. Always, am I right with the Lord God? Am I doing what he, am I studying the word? Am I being faithful in what I'm doing? You'll find out a lot of the physical work you're doing doesn't even need to be done if you will just get right in line with God first. So Ezra had that God focus, the spiritual first. They got down before the Lord. They fasted. They prayed, Lord, this is up to you. Well, now we're going to go. Now he's done everything right. He's not cutting corners, okay? So here comes the physical part. Ezra 8 and 24 and I separated 12 of the leaders of the priests, Sherebiah, Hashabiah, and 10 of their brethren with them, and weighed out to them the silver, the gold, and the articles, the offering for the house of our God, which the king and his counselors and his princes, and all Israel who were present, had offered. I weighed into their hand 650 talents of silver, silver articles weighing 100 talents, 
100 talents of gold. A talent is about maybe 70 pounds or so. 20 gold basins worth 1,000 drachmas and two vessels of fine polished bronze, precious as gold. And I said to them, you are holy to the Lord. The articles are holy also. And the silver and the gold are a freewill offering to the Lord God of your fathers. Watch and keep them until you weigh them before the leaders of the priests and the Levites and the heads of the, house, of the fathers' houses of Israel and Jerusalem in the chambers of the house of the Lord. So the priests and the Levites received the silver and the gold and the articles by weight to bring them to Jerusalem to the house of our God. Okay, they weighed everything first. Kind of the point is, what we weigh now better be what weighs up when we get there. Okay, so he divided all these valuables out, and the value of what they had, it could probably be placed into the millions of dollars today. That's how much it was worth. So it's no wonder that Ezra was concerned about the journey back. You know word of this got out. These guys are going to come through your land with millions worth of of precious gold. Oh, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. We're going to get these guys. Okay. He had to get down before the Lord before going. This is too important. I, I think they would probably be the biggest prime target in years to come through the land. So now we know why he called for a fast and for protection. And when I say that you are not worthless, you are priceless. You're very, very valuable. You better be down before the Lord God praying for your safe passage through this world because the enemy wants to steal from you everything you have, okay? You're worth a lot, and there's people that want to ambush you. They want to take what you have. They can't take what you have, but they want to try. So you need to be down before the Lord on a regular basis, okay? So these men, they were given the responsibility of getting all the stuff back to Jerusalem safely and the added motivation for making sure that nobody made an attempt, an attempt at running off with it, because, you know, it crossed somebody's mind, man, I could take this one thing right here and go cash it in and live the rest of my life. Ezra told them, these are holy to the Lord. These are holy to the Lord. The, inc- the insinuation here is that if you steal this, what's holy to the Lord, you might be paying for it heavily. There, there was a consequence factor involved in this. In other words, This stuff is not for you, it's for the Lord, it belongs to Him, it's for His service, just as you yourself are holy, you belong to the Lord's service. They understood as a Levite their dedication to the Lord God. He says, these items are just as dedicated as you are. Don't mess with it. They took their calling very seriously. These items have a calling in them too. It belongs to the Lord for Him. I think that's a strong implication that if you run off, you're going to get in trouble. God may very well even put you right back in captivity again. Don't don't mess with this. This is a warning. They are charged with making sure it got back to Jerusalem. Now, what had happened to these men is they just became stewards. It's a word we need to know. It's a word we need to live by. Is a, is the word steward? means they were responsible for property that belonged to someone else. It's not yours. You are a steward. You're just carrying it for a little while. A quick parallel I can make is, Christian, everything you have, everything you own, the money in your pocket, in your bank account, the car you drive, the house you live in, everything you have is not yours. You are a steward of it. 
it has been given to you only for the purpose of you glorifying the Lord God as you go through your journey, and that is it. Never go look at my house and look at my stuff. It's not yours. If you're dedicated to the Lord, what's in your hand should be dedicated to the Lord. So they were mere stewards of this holy wealth, and they were only stewards for the duration of that journey. You're not going to keep your hands on this forever. It's just until you get home. Christian, the stuff you have, you're only got it, you've only got it in your hands till you get home. I've lost a friend the other day. Everything he has is still here. He, he ran a barbershop. That barbershop is still there. He didn't take it with him. Okay, you are a steward. We need to remember that as we go through life. Ezra 8 and 31, the return to Jerusalem. Then we departed from the river of Ahava on the twelfth day of the first month to go to Jerusalem, and the hand of our God was upon us, and he delivered us. Look at this. It actually happened. From the hand of the enemy and from ambush along the road. I'm inclined to believe that somebody tried to get them and God saved them. So we came to Jerusalem and stayed there three days. Now on the fourth day, the silver and the gold and the articles were weighed in, the house of our God by the hand of Merimoth, the son of Uriah the priest, and with him was Eleazar, the son of Phinehas. With them were the Levites, Josabad, the son of Jeshua, and Noadiah, the son of Benui. With the number and weight of everything, all the weight was written down at that time. Okay, so they weighed before they got started, they weighed when it got back, and I am led to believe that every, every ounce got back. That means every steward. Never once thought, this belongs to me, I can use some of it for myself, or I'm going to use it just for me. No, it all got there. Okay, Christian, when you get home, everything you were weighed with up front, it better be counted, accounted for in your life when you get home, okay? So remember, Ezra, he was ashamed to ask the king for an escort. He made that big statement, oh, the hand of the Lord would be upon us. So he didn't want to ask for soldiers and horsemen. He was afraid that would make his faith look weak. But look how well the journey went, because he so dedicated, he got down before the Lord, humble, they prayed, they fasted, look how well it went. The Lord did deliver them from the hand of any attacks. Ezra proclaimed it publicly, he prayed on it, he believed it, and he walked it out. And because of those things, the Lord made it happen. Christian, oh, can we get a hold of this? If you believe it, don't make it your private little faith and just, well, this is just, I'm going to keep it to me. Proclaim it. The reason people don't want to proclaim it is they're going to be made to live it out and prove it. You should want to prove it because that's what glorifies your God. Do you want to glorify your God? Yeah. Theoretically, we all say, yeah. Then proclaim it. Well, you know, because that might make people... If you proclaim it, it is known. And when it is known, people watch you. And when God delivers, they say, you know what? What he said came true. There must be some real truth to this God. Work the whole equation. I know people with their own private little faith, it's just mine. I'll just keep it here. Don't do that. Proclaim it. Get it out there. Yes, the world's going to hate you for it. Just suck it up. That's the way it is. Here we are. We all know this. And you got people watching that need to know who he is. He proclaimed it. Guys, this is Christianity 101 right here. Thank 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.